Hi, this is Shail Dvorak, and welcome to the Productivity with Purpose podcast. This season, we'll talk about how to find meaning and purpose in your job, your family, and in every aspect of life. So one of the earliest memories I have is actually, I was in one of our old houses that we lived in a long time ago, and... I remember being on the floor crawling. So I don't know if this is quite accurate or not, but I think I was very, very young. And I remember my dad actually walked in the room of our, or like walked into the house and I remember he was coming home from work. And that's all the, that I remember of it is (laughs) my dad coming home from work that's all I remember, <laughs> but that's one of my earliest memories I can think back to. How many people do you think remember crawling? I mean, that, that's crazy that you remember crawling. So That's the only crawling memory I have. <laughs> but even just having one, like, I actually don't. Um, I can tell you my first memory of myself is, and I still remember it to this day, I, I was walking down the block of our, by our house, and I came up the driveway of these people moving into a house, and I remember their boat sitting there, and I remember meeting this little kid named Mark. And the reason why I know he must have been little is because my parents always told me, oh, when you, met, when you met Mark for the first time when they moved into that house, he was only like two and a half years old, or maybe three. And I'm thinking, well, first of all, what was I doing walking by myself? at three years old, down the block, over to a friend's house. And then, uh, Ah. you know, just the fact that I was that young meeting someone and there were no parents around, like just this random kid was in his garage. So, uh, But for some reason, I have this very vivid memory of, of walking up the driveway and meeting him. And then he became my best friend all through up till like sixth grade. Um, no way. The the funny thing about this this guy, his name is Mark Holiday, is his full name, and he was my best friend up until sixth grade. But in sixth grade, he came to me and he said, "You know, I have decided that I'm going to start liking girls, and you are not at that stage yet, so I'm not going to be friends with you anymore." What? And it didn't make no. sense at the time, and it still doesn't make sense. But he, he wanted to start pursuing, like, dating relationships and stuff, and I waited until high school, you know. In uh, sixth grade, he wanted to get rid of his guy friends. That's right, his one guy friend, yep. And I actually think that his mom just set him up and said that, you know, my maturity was not quite matching up with his, and here's what you should say. So it's fascinating to me because we tend to think that our memory is just our reflection back on something that previously happened. And in a sense, that's true. But what's interesting that you mention in your book, John, is how what we're remembering is actually the memory that we had at that time of the event that happened. Mm -hmm. So now when we're at this point in time thinking back, Actually, we're thinking back on the time that we were thinking back on that time. So it's almost, I don't know, in a sense, it reminds me of the game Telephone. Yeah. You know, where you're 
pass a phrase and then it mm -hmm. goes and it, it changes, right? Yep. So drastically by the time you get to the end of it that I think about memories and I sometimes wonder, was that actually how it happened? Or as I, as I retell the story to other people and to myself, is it morphing into something else at times? And I think that does happen. When you, when you were uh, maybe 10 years old, you remembered crawling, and then when you were 12, and then when you were 18, and then maybe you remembered it when you were you know, 20 years old, but then you're remembering back all those different times when you stored those memories. And the other thing that's really interesting about it, I think, is that we're, uh, we're constantly reconstructing memories. And this, this is something we should give credit where credit is due, by the way. Her name is Lisa Barrett, and she has written a couple mm. of pretty famous books, and she's a neuroscience, neuroscientist, so she's way smarter than us, right? I can't even say neuroscience, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, but she, she's the one who wrote about this in her most recent book, which we can put into the, um, the notes for this podcast. But... The brain is remembering things that it remembered long ago, and it's storing them, and we're constantly reconstructing them. And what's dangerous about that at times is sometimes we can remember things wrong. And there, there's been studies about this too. They're, they've found that they, you know, maybe they put 10 people into a room, and then a year later, I'm making this study up by the way, but maybe it does exist. But they, they talk to them six <laughs> months or a year later, and they say, who was in that room, you know? Well, Mary and Phil and Bob and Shayel, they were all in that room. And then they, sh they show them a picture, and it's like, well, three of those people weren't even there. Or maybe one of them was, and, you know, that type of thing. Um, so, so people just reconstruct these memories. So then the question is, what happens when we're reconstructing the wrong memories, you know? Hmm. So. Hmm. Or what happens when we want to actually tell a story of what happened? And it's not true, but you're actually trying. You're actually trying to tell the story as best you can. Right. So my story of meeting uh, Mark Holliday when I was a kid and seeing his boat, maybe they never even owned a boat, you know? But I have been remembering that same incident or whatever happened when I was three years old, that there was a boat in their driveway. Um, so that, that's something that I think, you know, it's, it's, a, it's something I learned when I was writing the book. It's something that I think is an amazing discovery about how the brain works and how we reconstruct our memories. But what that led mm -hmm. to is really thinking through this idea of looking back on your day and figuring out what did you do during the day and did it really make sense? Is it, did you work on the things that you really wanted to work on? And I call it the daily debrief. And all it means is you, you get out a journal, you write down a few notes, you write down the things that stressed you out during the day, and you actually cross them off to say, you know what, those whatever things I was stressed out about, I'm gonna cross them off, they're gone forever, they happened in the past. I'm not going to remember them, maybe. And then you do another step that's really important is your hope moments. And you say, these are the things that happened today that gave me hope and gave me a reason to be purposeful in my work. And these are the things that I want to remember 
every day and then I want to build on those things and tomorrow I want to be more about the hope moments and less about the anxiety and the stress that I experienced. So that's that's in the book. It's in the daily debrief um, routine that I go over in the book. But the reason I bring it up is that I think as Christians, we're always trying to remember certain things and we're trying to experience certain things. And the reason for that is it all ties back into hope and purpose and what we actually work on and are we productive on the right things so that's that's the theme for the podcast today but um, are there things that when you look back I'm assuming you've done this routine and you're familiar with it are there things where you've said this isn't really the right thing that I wanted to be working on have there been times when you've had a regret about something during the day? And I'm I'm not talking about the big regrets like mistakes or, you know, something like that. But just in terms of your productivity, have there been times when you said, you know what, I just spent three hours doing something that doesn't seem to matter at all? Oh, for, for sure. And John, following the the reflective morning routine that you have has helped me immensely and just reflecting back over my day in general because before that it felt kind of like it's almost as if you're swimming and you're trying to get somewhere maybe in college or wherever it is and there's so much information being thrown at you that you don't really you feel overwhelmed by it all Mm -hmm. and you don't know what to do with that information you know you're learning so much but by the time the next day comes, because you're having so much new information thrown at you, you forget what you learned yesterday. Right. And yeah. so it's almost this, I want to find a way to grasp some of the things that I'm learning about myself or that I'm going through and just kind of, I don't know, put them somewhere so that I can reflect back on them later if I need to and then mm-hmm. not be so stressed or not be so overthinking about it days and days after you can kind of like you're saying just put an end to it it's almost like crossing something off of a list and and not to talk about the book too much but the the daily do debrief routine um, is seven minutes so in terms of like having it take a lot of time I wanted to make sure that this is something that was really easy to do and that at the end of the day it's not like I'm saying spend two hours reflecting on your day and you know spend two hours journaling because I don't think anyone's going to be able to do that anyway Um, this is what some people do yeah I (laughs) suppose yeah I'd like to meet those people that journal for two hours at night because that would be amazing Um, I I think people are probably reflecting for a few minutes and then they're watching Netflix. And by the way, the way that works in your brain is that if you reflect on something for seven minutes and then immediately watch a two-hour movie, that's going to replace some of that reflection. So I actually encourage people to do the daily debrief more, not right before bed because you're probably too tired, but after the events of the day are pretty much over, so after you've gone to, mm-hmm. to a movie or after you've had dinner with friends, you're finally in a quiet place, maybe you know a nice warm cup of tea or something like that, 
and you're, it's just you and a journal and a, and a pen and uh, writing down your reflections for the day. So, but, ba but back to your looking back um, on the day, are there things that you, I, I, again, I know you're not a fan of social media, so if you've ever used social media, you're probably like, I regret doing that. Uh, but are, are there other things in your workday or in your life where you've said, I wish I just hadn't done that or I wish I hadn't spent time on that? I, I know there's definitely times, even on social media, where I've said something that I wish I didn't say or I texted someone something when I probably should have called them and talked it out with them or, mm -hmm. I mean, there's... There's lots of scenarios like that where I definitely think back and sometimes will think and, and go, yeah, I wish I had done that differently or I wish I had said something differently. But I try not to focus on that too much because I know you, that can just be a, rep a repeating cycle mm -hmm. where you get stuck there. Right. Uh, but it's interesting because... I don't know. I've met several guys who are around my age, very close to my age, and a reoccurring theme that I see in a lot of them is they'll ask a question like, do you have regrets? And for them, the answer has been no. I live with absolutely no regrets. Hmm. <laughs> and so I don't know. I wanted to ask you about this, John, like what your thoughts are on that, because I'm just always shocked when someone says that because it, it, to me, almost sounds like they're saying, I live my life how I live my life, and if I make mistakes, it doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> so, okay, so before we get into my opinions about that, I, I wanted to press, press a little bit into um, not wanting to do reflection. So okay. now, okay. of course, I, I know you're saying that, that it's maybe a little bit painful, and I, I know you do it still because everyone does. You know, everyone ruminates. And rumination is basically where you're playing these tapes in your head, and most of us can avoid it. Um, there, is, there is a way to not play those tapes as much, and it's by replacing it with good thoughts and good experiences. So for anyone listening to this, mm -hmm. if you have a tape plain and it's just a regret that you did during the day or even years ago, the best way to deal with those regrets is to focus on other things. And, and that's where the hope moments comes into play that I write about in the book. But honestly, uh, experiencing new things and challenging yourself with new things, thinking about new things, that replaces those regrets. But uh, what, what do you think, uh, in terms of not really wanting to look back, back at them, is, what do you think is driving that for you, or what do you think is the reason for that? I think it's because the more I think about something that, the more I self-reflect on moments where I wish I had done something differently, the more I'm realizing I'm not a perfect person, or I'm not, like, I made a terrible mistake or whatever it may be it just kind of it hurts yourself a little bit it's like re almost you're reliving that moment of pain a little bit going mm -hmm. ah yeah I shouldn't have done that yeah and you're thinking back to it so 
don't yeah. know if that makes sense. So, so my, my challenge to you and then to the listener is to try the daily debrief and write down those regrets. And sometimes it can be even writing down what you actually said on social media or what you said to a friend or maybe something you did at work that was not productive. Um, one of the things that I've heard a lot about people who work in ministry and at churches and in nonprofits is there's some guilt if they ever go and surf the web for a while. Like even if it's for 20 minutes or half an hour and they're thinking, I could be speaking life into people right now or I could be sharing the gospel with someone right now, but instead I'm surfing the web, you know, looking for a new car or something like that. But, but during that debrief, to write it down and the challenge is then just to cross it off. And by doing that, you're saying, I'm, I'm remembering it in the short term, but I'm trying to block it out of my long-term memory. And then I'm going to focus on the hope moments and the good things that I accomplished during the day. I'm not going to cross those off. Uh, and I'm going to try to ruminate on those and think about those things. I, I have to say, I just, I, I know this has worked for me. And that, that's hmm. really where it gets into, like, I'm, write about, I'm writing about things that have worked for me and that I really believe can help other people. And this is one of the big ones. And writing things down and crossing them off, there's something about saying, I'm just going to leave this in the past. And whatever I did, whatever I said, right. I'm forgiven in Christ. I'm forgiven by the fact that I am a Christian who is going to live for eternity with, with Christ. Uh, my sins are all forgiven, so even the ones that are on social media, you know. But just, just that challenge to, to try to do that, and then even to maybe next time when we do our, our uh, podcast recording is to talk about it again and see, you know, how did, how did that go crossing those things off? Um, I do have a, a quote that I was going to mention, um, and this is something from the book. It's uh, Peter Drucker is a management expert, and he said, There is nothing as useless as doing effectively that which should not be done at all. And I think what that really points to, I don't know if he meant it this way, but when I read that, I immediately think of some of the regrets, you know, like things that I was really working hard on and maybe even doing effectively. Um, as, as someone who's done a lot of leadership and management, I sometimes reflect on, and by the way, what I'm saying is that I'm not perfect and that even when I do the daily de debrief, I still remember things and I still have regrets. Uh, but as a, as a leader, sometimes you think I should not have said that to that employee or that person or that colleague. And, you know, if I was a better leader, I just wouldn't have said that or I wouldn't have had that opinion. Um, but I think when we're using tools like this, it just helps us deal with it. It helps us ruminate on it enough and then move on to other things. So, um, Right. And I think what we're talking about, John, in terms of writing things down so that you can kind of put an end to it yourself and just get it out there once and then move on, it's, it's different from, from also saying, oh, I wish I made no mistakes in my life because, 
you, it's true that you do learn from mistakes that you make. And so we shouldn't just right. hope that we never had any regrets or that we, um, you know, never made mistakes in that sense. Right. But I still am so confused when I hear people talk about not trying, having this like goal to have no regrets. Right. Yeah. Oh, so getting getting back to that question, I I, I kind of uh, I'm just so curious. Yeah. <laughs> I I got into that whole uh, debrief scenario, and I I forgot to talk about that with you. I I feel like there's um, people who are who are saying that they are not reflecting enough on on what they did, and uh, you know I don't I don't think we want to get into politics too much in this podcast. Maybe we do. I'm not sure. But I feel like there's this whole political viewpoint that has, you know, the no regrets. I'm going to live for myself. I'm going to do what I want. Um, don't tell me what I can and can't do. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of that is pretending that the regrets don't exist. And that actually never works, by the way. So when people are telling you that they don't have regrets and they're saying they just live life and they don't think about it, um, honestly, in the quietness of, you know, if they're going to bed or they're alone in an apartment somewhere, and they they are, they're, they're thinking about it, and they're ruminating about mm-hmm. it. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. the, the more people say they live with no regrets and the more they keep talking about that, it's very possible that that's the exact person that has a lot of regrets and is doing things that they're insha- ashamed of, actually. I think when that comes up with people, wow, that's fascinating. It, it, when when people tell you that, and and when they start saying it a lot, like, "Yep, I don't, I don't think about that. I don't think about the repercussions of doing what I'm doing, or, you know, if I'm uh, doing some bad stuff, and maybe I'm swearing a lot, and I, people are just surprised how much I swear, or something like that." Um, I think at that point it's good to to try to talk to them and say, "Hey, is that is that really true? Like when you're really by yourself and you you've said a lot of terrible things to people during the day and you've been swearing or whatever it is. Um, swearing actually is really just something that's coming out of the heart. There's a lot of pain inside there, and whenever you hear someone swearing a lot, it's it, they're just showing you that pain, you know." Uh, but but getting into that topic with them and just saying, um, are there things that you're just trying to pretend you don't regret? And isn't it better to just live in a state of peace, in a state of just freely admitting that you've made those mistakes? One of my favorite um, authors and pastors is Andy Stanley. And uh, one of the reasons I like him so much is he's really good at explaining things. And he's really good. He's just an excellent communicator. And sometimes he has talked about, like, lying. And he's talked to people, and he's done sermons about this and talked about it many times. And he'll say things like, well, so you say you've never lied, but is that really true, you know? And think back to yesterday and the day before. Was there anything that you maybe lied about? And then people are always like, well, yeah, actually, I did lie about this. And, you know, um, so uh, 
where where does that really lead us? I, I feel like we should talk more about what I would call the hope and fear of life and of mm. productivity. And I, right. I thought it'd be good to define hope moments a little bit more. Uh, so hope moments is something I write about in the book. And the, the example, I guess I would like to ask you, Shiel, what is what are a couple of your biggest hopes and aspirations um, in life? I don't know. You're putting me on the spot there. <laughs> uh, my biggest hope, aspirations in life. To be honest, I, I don't entirely know. Uh, I know that like my biggest one is to grow to learn more about Jesus and become more like Christ as I live my life and to to share that with other people and just live a life where I'm growing closer to God but I'm also caring about others the way that Jesus does and he would want me to so that's that's a hope that I have uh, but as for like what I do or how things happen I'm not even sure and I don't know I I used to be more sure but now that so much in life has changed so quickly I feel more unsure about what my exact goals are mm -hmm. right well so you you picked one of the greatest uh, goals and, and hopes for any Christian is that we can actually grow in our faith and I think uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a, a really quick story from the book that I, I talk about just really briefly. But when I first became a Christian, I used to share my faith a lot. And there's one example where when I went to the University of Northwestern, I became a Christian. And then I used to go to secular universities a lot. So the U of M here in the Twin Cities and Hamlin University. And there was one time when I went with a group of guys, and again, I'm keeping this very abbreviated version of this story, but I met a Chinese student who was attending Hamlin, and I ended up uh, getting to know him, and there was one time when we were playing guitar together in his dorm room, and I shared Christ with him, and he accepted Christ. And so what happened yeah. through that experience is that he... He started growing in his faith, and eventually he graduated and went back to China. But I still, speaking of memories and looking back, I still remember being in that dorm room playing guitar, and I still remember sharing my faith with him. And what's cool about it is that I'm sure that day, that evening, I looked back on the day and thought about that, and that was a hope moment then. So the definition of a hope moment is something amazing that happens during the day, that is part, it's leading you to become the person that you want to be. It's on the path of good productivity and good purpose, being purposeful in your life. Um, so when I, I wasn't doing the daily debrief routine then, you know, of course I hadn't even thought of it yet. I was just a college kid. But the idea is still the same. It was a, it was a hopeful experience, a hope moment. And today if that happened, in the evening, I would definitely write that down. You know, I'd get a bunch of stars and asterisks and a bunch of other things in my journal. Um, 
can you can you think of something when when you're saying you want to be more like Christ? Have you had an experience or a conversation recently where you where something has put you on that path of purpose? I well one one example that comes to my head, and this is just something small that happened that I did, but it I was I was on the trail going for a run. And I was listening to really, really good, I think, Christian music, but I might have been listening to the Bible, one or the other. And I was running past this lady, and I was just so, I could feel, you know, that that feeling you have when you're just filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're just so excited about life. And I had to, like, make sure that this lady knew about Jesus. And I was running past her, and I just said, Hey, and I just stopped her and said, "Hey, do you know do you know Jesus?" And we had this, you know, very short conversation where she said, "Yeah, I do," you know. And it was pretty cool and I said, "Oh, that's awesome." And I guess that was one one small thing that happened. I wish that that, that happened a lot more in my life than it actually does. Yeah. But Sadly, it doesn't happen as much as I wish it did, but my my mom is the queen of hope moments. Hmm. And so she has a lot. She's my inspiration for talking with people and just being bold and living out your faith because she has so many moments where she'll just be in a grocery store. And in fact, she, she called me and told me this story that she was shopping at Lakewinds and buying some scones and they were in her in her basket she had some scones and this like elderly couple was walking by or this elderly guy and he stopped and he says oh those are the best scones and my mom just goes well have one do you want one (laughs) (laughs) and so she he's like no no you know it's it's fine i just wanted to acknowledge those are really good scones you know that's it and she she goes no you need to have one so she opens it up yeah they're in the store and she like you know gives them a scone and they start talking about church and Hmm. christ and all these things but she's she is my inspiration for that Priscilla Schreier. I've been listening to a lot of her messages lately just because, man, I will listen to her talk and I'm just a huge fan of what she shares and how she shares it, how she delivers a message and makes it just so uh, theatrical and alive. And I listen to her and it's, she's amazing. Um, But she, she recently shared a message about you know having your ultimate hope in Christ and how when you have that ultimate hope is Christ and God it really eliminates fear from your life that the fear that you feel when you're going to share the gospel with someone or the fear you feel when you're thinking oh should I really do this nice thing for someone mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, why should you be afraid of doing something nice for someone? Mm -hmm. But 
I, I think we have that where we question what we're going to do or what we're supposed to do. And she was talking about it and she said, you know, if there's two options put before me and the only reason I'm not choosing one of them is because I'm afraid or because of fear, then I know I need to choose that option. Mm. Yeah. And that just really hit me when I was listening to that because I think a lot of, I mean, a lot of us, it's very hard to do that. And we don't talk about doing that. At least I haven't heard that talked about in Christian circles as much when we're discussing, you know, what is God's plan for my life and what, you know, how am I going to do what God wants me to do? We never really, it's hard to take a step back and, and actually dive into the option that we don't want to do. <laughs> right. I, I really like that example. It reminds me of there's another productivity writer and author named Ryan Holiday and he wrote a book called The Obstacle is the Way. And I don't know where he's at with, as far as faith. He, t he sometimes talks about Bible verses and he talks about Jesus in his books every once in a while. I'd love to ask him at some point. But he, he says roughly the same thing, that sometimes the obstacle or the fear or the impediment is the very thing that you should focus on. That's actually leading you there's a reason why you need to overcome that fear or that anxiety because that's where that's actually the direction you're supposed to go. And it sounds like she's saying something similar there. Um, mm -hmm. So you said that she gave some examples of that or do you have some examples of that yourself? She she wasn't saying it in a way of, you know, just just go do the harder thing it was more it was more of a if fear is the only reason that you're not going to make a decision mm -hmm. to do something and the only thing holding you back is fear then you need to you need to press into that because mm -hmm. god hasn't given us a spirit of fear right you know that's that's the devil trying to distract us from doing what we're called to do yeah. so when that comes up press into that uh, and she used fear of public speaking, which is crazy because she's Priscilla Schreier and she's up there bomb at pu public, public speaking, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. And so she uses the example of I was extremely afraid of public speaking at one point in my life and mm -hmm. I couldn't get up there and, and talk in front of people. And it's just and she pressed into that, you know, obviously. Right. Yeah. For, for me, there was a time when I thought I, I should start mentoring young adults, mentoring college students. And there is that hope moment, you know, where you're like, wow, what if I could actually mentor young people? You know, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> and and then the fear gets in the way. You're right. Like you've got the hope, you've got the ambition to do something, and you know you want to, and you know it's a good thing. Like people benefit from mentoring, of course. But then you're like, well, I'm too old, or you know, I have this fear of maybe uh, saying the wrong thing, or you know, not being cool enough, or not knowing the latest trends, which is actually true in my case. You know. 
so I, I, I don't know my TikTok from my Instagram sometimes, but I, I do feel like uh, I, I actually read a quote, um, and I'm going to butcher this quote, and I don't even know who it's from, but it really resonated with me. Uh, and I saw it on, on Facebook, which is, you know, like a, a great place, uh, a great source of accurate information. <laughs> Not really. Uh, but it was something to the effect of when God gives you a calling, he also has accounted for the fact that you're stupid. And the reason why that... Oh, that's so crazy. <laughs> the reason why that resonated so much for me is that I, I always feel like when I've done these things, like I was a youth leader for a long time, I've mentored people for a long time, I've, I've trained people on writing, you know, and, and communication, and I've always thought... I know. Yeah, I've always thought like, well, what do I really have to offer, you know? And that's that tape and that voice that plays sometimes for, for a lot of us. And we have that anxiety and fear and we think that's the impediment, you know, that's the block that's really not giving us the opportunity to do things that we really want to do. Um, and then I've always thought that, you know, God is the one who works through us even through our weaknesses. So maybe the weaknesses do exist. You know, maybe I don't know the latest trends, but God still uses us and still uses what we say uh, for his glory. episodes. We haven't talked about this. We've covered the first half of the book. And so we've talked well, about morning routine. We've talked about taking a break. Now we've talked about the daily debrief. What's what's coming up? I, I feel like it's tech related. I, I feel like that's a big, a big hint that you're trying to give me. Um, I am really excited to eventually talk about social media. Mm hmm. I'm hoping that we're going to do that because uh, actually this week I deleted my Instagram account. Nice. So lots to talk about <laughs> when it comes to social media. You've, you've but, never really, really used Facebook, right? Uh. I yeah, I've I barely I have Facebook so that I can use Messenger so that I can contact friends who I might not have their phone number, mm -hmm. and I get like. I've used it a couple times, but I really mostly use it for Messenger. And then I, I didn't have Instagram for the longest time, but anyways, this is way long story. But I'm excited to talk about social media eventually in one of the episodes and dig into that and hear your thoughts about social media. Awesome.